Podcast Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now. Hello. How was your weekend? Um, my weekend was good. My weekend was good. My sister-in-law and her husband were staying with us for the weekend um, from Alberta because they're house hunting here. Oh. So oh, like, yes. Yeah. You know what was interesting, though, is I went with them to see some houses. So I was like shopping for houses without it being my choice at all. But as I entered different houses, I thought, this is interesting. The market's an interesting, interesting place right now. It really is. Why? What's going on? I have no idea what's going on. So fill me in. Well, it was busy. I mean, the nice the nice houses, and I say that because, yeah, there's some trashy houses. I don't understand how some people live. I really don't. There were some that were just disgusting um, in terms of nobody even tidied up after themselves, knowing that people were walking through their homes that day. Really? That just boggles my mind. Uh, a couple of spots that, yep, I'm like, this should probably maybe, I shouldn't say as far as like it should be condemned by any means, but yeah, like you could have probably tidied up a little bit in here, but that's fine. Um, they're not going for any of those, thank goodness. But it was busy, actually. It was busy. And people are priced competitively right now because they it's strategic. And also because it's not like it was a year ago, right? Where you're going to get multiple bids before you even list. You could just say, we are listing. All of a sudden, people are like, I'll give you this for it. Give me that. And they haven't even seen it, right? Yeah. So it's not like that anymore. I think we all know. But a decent amount of people. Like, I went to a couple of open houses. Others were appointments. But just seeing what's out there. First of all, I don't envy anyone who's looking because I, I understand, I, although it's exciting, it's also, it's tough, right? Yeah. A lot of people still holding off, off uh, on offers till certain dates. Uh, a lot of uns- unsure people who are like, oh, how much is this really going to be after the interest rates and what are they going to look like? So it was interesting to kind of dip my toe into it without actually having to be involved in it. Huh. <laughs> kind of interesting, but uh, yeah, it was fun. So I was kind of hosting, um, hosting them for the weekend, just drove them to the airport last night, actually. So literally Friday when I got home, they were there up until last night. Wow. Okay. So you had a house full of people. A house full of people. Isn't it weird? Like you probably have it. You probably appreciate yeah. your weekends as much as I appreciate mine. And when people interrupt that, it's kind of like, ah, fuck, when are you leaving? Well, it's. <laughs> and I know I that my, they're family, but I mean, piss off. I got fun, shit to do. It's funny. My husband actually said that like straight up was just like at one point, like, hey, get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. What are you going to But we we joke. I mean, obviously it's family. We don't mind. And who? Why would we want them to spend money on a hotel or something? It's just dumb. Well, they're here. But what's the weird part for me? I think is because I'm just so set in you know my routine, my weekend routine. No matter what I'm doing during the day. And yes, of course, there's stuff I would have gotten done had they not been there. But that's okay. I, actually, last week, this past weekend was a good weekend for them to come because I didn't have anything you know set plans of like I have to be here at this time. But there was a lot of work I would have done and a lot of things I would have gotten done. But to me, it's that moment at night where it's like, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. You're here and you're not tired because to you, it's seven o'clock. But for me, it's 10 p.m. Right. In your mind, it's seven because that's where they're from, the West Coast. But I, it's, I'm getting really tired. So it was kind of like awkward. Like, do I sneak off to bed and don't say a word and just they'll be like, oh, where the hell did she go? Where's Kat? Where the heck did she go? Or do I just announce it, right? Do you make an announcement? So I made an announcement on Saturday night. It was 1030. Do you know, first off, do you know you can broadcast from Google Home? You can broadcast to all the speakers in the house? I have that and I didn't know that. I've done that. You can make an official proclamation. <laughs> letting everybody know, I'm going to bed. Instead, I had to stand up and make that awkward like knee slap. Like, well, <laughs> <laughs> Woo, time to hit the that, dusty trail. That's right. So I'm going to be in there sleeping. You... Do you? I have no. Pro- you enjoy. You help yourself to whatever's in the fridge or on the. I'm going to bed though. 
Uh, so yeah, it was, it was one of those things, but they're great though. They were actually pretty tired from their travels. Oh, they were on a swoop flight, Hamilton swoop on the way in. Yeah. Arri- supposed to arrive at 1130 PM arrived at 3 AM oh, on wonderful. Friday morning. That's like a full blow, a full flight length delay. Yes. Not, not cool. And by the way, it's like that everywhere. It's, it's for the most part, I feel like it's like the swoops and the flares and stuff. You hear about the most sun wings, obviously, as you know, been in the news lately. Uh, but man, that, that's quite the delay. And then they were delayed on the way home last night. She ended up messaging saying, yeah, we were delayed. It wasn't as bad as the first time, but I feel like right now it's real bad. I just can't. So somebody explained to me that part of what's going on in the industry right now is because of the pandemic and, and their budgets have been slashed because they're trying to make up some of the money that they lost. Mm -hmm. Everything is on a shoestring budget. So it's not like if a plane's delayed, they can say, ah, fuck it, just send another plane for them because that plane's accounted for or the cost of flying that plane, fueling it, yes. staffing it, landing yes. it. And it's then a doing- lot. Yeah. So the airlines are opting not to do that, which means we just have to be at the mercy of that airport and that airline on that particular day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not surprised there's a lot of delays, but fuck, they got to figure it out because it's getting really stupid. When I book a nine o'clock flight that it lands at, say, 1130, I need it to leave at 9 so that it lands Honestly. at 11.30. Honestly. These delays are crazy. They're bad, Scott. They're bad. So, yeah, I was in, the, like, hosting mode this weekend, but I know you were not the one hosting. No. But someone was hosting you on the weekend. I had such a great night on Friday, mainly. I had dinner with a mutual friend of ours yeah. and Sergeant Carrie Schmidt from the OPP and his beautiful wife. And it was great to uh, be able to see Carrie again because when we were on in Toronto, he used to be a regular guest on our yeah. show. And, and I miss he, that guy. He's so good and so fucking tall. Oh my god, oh. my neck hurt. It was. Uh, <laughs> Has he grown since we've seen him last? Yeah, I think he has. Yeah. Like the pandemic, we stretched him out even more. But we had a great chat about. I know it's going to sound weird to some, but. One of my favorite shows is Heavy Rescue 401, Mm -hmm. and they're about to go into the final season, and Carrie is one of the stars of the show. And the reason that I love it is because I've sat in some traffic delays, and when they finally get around to airing that part of it on the show, I can say, oh, that's why I was an hour and a half late for dinner that night. It was because of that. That's what happened. It's kind of neat to see that. So I do appreciate the show, and I'm sad that it's ending, but I was talking to Carrie about that and, and just some general media and police issues. So if I was there, if I sat myself there next to Carrie Schmidt, we're talking about Heavy Rescue 401. I'm a couple of glasses of wine in. Yeah. I'm asking. So I'm wondering if you ask, does he get paid? He gets paid separate for that, right? Or is this kind of part of his gig and he's like, I'm doing it for the people. I think he's doing it for the people. Wow, good for him. I well, nev- he does all his social for the people too. I know that he, that's why he does it. And it's very, very useful as well. If you don't follow Carrie Schmidt, you should, especially if you're a commuter, especially if you're a commuter, but even just for human interest in the province of Ontario. I mean, this man really is an Ontario celebrity at this point, but he'll he'll give you all the information. He's there on the scene. He can show you up close. Here's what happened. Um, I mean, he's very, very good at it. But I was wondering when it came to the show, because I mean, the show makes money. Yeah. I was wondering, 
Kind of as a cast member on a show. I think they probably contract some of the use of the OPP officers. And if you're an OPP officer, like he is, he's a sergeant. I think that just kind of goes with the gig. Interesting. Okay. Now, now, it's not like he's chasing down drunk drivers or anything like that. He really just has to go and be interviewed at the scene of accidents. It's his job. It's part of his job, but what he does anyway, right? right? Right. So I don't know that it's necessarily a heavy lift for him, but either way, he does it. And, mm. and I don't want to speak for him, but I got the impression he doesn't get paid for the show. But I remember I was sitting across the table for him and our friend, he's very Portuguese, promised us an authentic Portuguese dinner. Uh-huh. And and there was like a, a seafood risotto that was delicious and, and shrimp that had been cooking all day. And it was amazing. And, and then it was time for the steak. And he brought it in and set it down in front of me and it had an egg on top. And I know that there's people out there who like an egg, for example, on their hamburger. And from what I've heard, that's actually quite good. I'd never had it on steak, let alone a really good steak, because he didn't cheap out. He got good, thick, premium steaks, and then just dropped an egg on top of it. And it was like seared really well on the bottom, but like runny on the top. Like imagine a really high cook, sunny side up egg, a little runny. And I'm watching everybody's like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. And they're all digging into it. And I'm thinking, I don't know how to do this. Do I, like, break the yolk all over the steak? Because that seems weird. Do I pull the egg off and eat it separately? I don't know what to do here. So I just sort of followed along with the crowd. And then I thought, what the fuck did I just put egg all over my steak? This is not what I would typically do. (laughs) That's bifacasa. Apparently, that's what it is. Bifacasa is the name of it. And this is a regular, traditional, I suppose, dish. I never thought of mixing it either. I've heard of steak and eggs, like for breakfast. Uh huh. Which usually at the diners you get it at probably not good steak. Yeah, that's a two dollar steak. That's, a that's not a good one. That's not no. good. It's like rubber. But I've never had this. So did you just like cut up your stuff and eat it and just not say anything, or did you say something and eat it? No, I ate it, but it was weird. It was like fucking strange. I, I don't. Oh, so you won't? You wouldn't do it again? It's not that I wouldn't do it again. It's just if I'm eating eggs, I want ketchup. But I would never put ketchup on a steak. Oh, so that's a predicament. It was weird, you know. And I was, I was looking around, looking for some cues, and I was trying to get my girlfriend's attention. Like, what the fuck do I do? And <laughs> she was ignoring me because she was talking to Carrie's wife, and the whole thing got all fucked up. But anyway, it was great, and it was so nice to see Paul and Carrie. And he says hello, and he would like to come on at some point. Yes, and we'd love to have him anytime. There's a big issue on on the highways or whatever, Carrie is happy to come on and talk about it. A uh, couple things I want to get to. Did you have people sending you pictures of chicken this weekend? Chicken? I don't think so. Ever since that story broke last week about how much Loblaw uh-huh. is charging for chicken, Yeah, it, it's like everybody wants to pile on now. And I got tagged in a bunch of tweets and people were DMing me like, holy shit, look at this. Look at... M&M meats. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about M&M meats, but their prices are fucking outrageous. <laughs> and I'm thinking, so I actually researched it. Yeah. And, and they're on sale right now. I'll give a little plug to M&M meat shops. They normally sell their box of chicken breasts for $37. It's on sale for $30, and it says you get 8 to 12 chicken breasts. To me, that doesn't seem completely outrageous. And I know that they're a little smaller than the ones you'd get at the grocery store, but either way, that didn't seem that bad. But in comparing it, I found an ad in the Flip app for Walmart. Walmart has two chicken breast things, mm-hmm. and there's three chicken breasts in each one of them. Like fresh or frozen? Fresh. Okay. 
So you get three check-in breasts okay. per. Yep. And it's two of them for $40. Oh. Six chicken ouch. breasts for $40 at Walmart tells me our system is broken. Ouch. That's, yeah. And it wasn't the premium kind that Loblaw used to get out of it. But I did end up in a really good conversation with a couple of people about groceries. And I just made a simple comment. Farm boy's the best. It is amazing how many people reached out and said, farm boy's amazing. Far- Isn't it interesting? Because for me, farm boy used to be the expensive option. Yeah. Like, don't you remember that being like the bougie shop? Like, you go to farm boy, like, oh, excuse oh. me, right? Look at you free you range, your, all your free range shit. Take your limo or get your butler to shop <laughs> for you. organic stuff and your natural. I mean, I agree. I was at Farm Boy not long ago and I thought the same thing, actually. You know what I, I find, especially in their produce? They'll have a lot of sales or some of the original prices even are way lower now than when you walk through a lot of the grocery stores. And I think you're, I remember it being like more expensive. And some of the stuff still is outrageous there, though. Just outrageous. Okay, so overall... Where are you getting the best value or where do you do the majority of your shopping? One chain. Because I'm really thinking this Galen Weston stuff really pisses me off. And and the I I really don't feel like they froze prices like they Mm -hmm. promised they would. Mm -hmm. And I really don't think that any savings they're getting, they're passing on to customers. The whole thing just seems very slimy and very shady to me. So I'm going to try and avoid a lot of the Loblaw type chains. Can't avoid shoppers. If you need something to shoppers, you need it. But the grocery stuff, I'll go elsewhere. Love Farm Boy. I like Longo's, actually. Longo's, mm-hmm. their, their branded stuff is better than PC or No Name any day of the week, every one of those products. My only real problem with Longo's is sometimes their prices are a little high. Not always. And they still have that We Charity shit on some of their staff shirts. And that pisses me off. Oh, see, I don't have a Longo's near me, so I can't really speak to, to anything Longo's. But I do have Sobeys. Like quite a bit of uh, quite a lot of Sobies. I don't mind a Sobies. See, I haven't, um, I haven't them, shopped at Sobies in years. See, and maybe we should do a switcheroo. I'll, I'll go to Longos and check it out. I have don't even think I've ever shopped at Longos, but uh, Sobies I do find good. Now it depends on what you're what you're looking at because some things are just like everywhere else where it's like oh seven ninety nine for a pint of strawberries. That's great, not a deal at all. Um, but other things I find to be really good. A lot of their boxed items and canned items, if you will, lots of sales on them. Lots of sales. And they're not necessarily the law law way of two. You have to buy two of them in order to save any money. Otherwise, you're an asshole that pays full price. It's sometimes actually like you're saving a dollar on each product. You're saving 50 cents on this product, which I still respect. I hate that two for stuff. I mean, we've talked about it before, but it's getting worse. Sometimes it's four. Like you have to buy four products to save money. Or you can feel like a jerk and spend like $4 more on this one product. But hey, if you buy four of them, you're going to save money at the end of the day. Like a lot of families can't do that budget-wise. No. They can't just sit and be like, oh, yeah, I'll stock up. Not a lot of families have that option right now. You know, so I hate that. I hate that concept. Me too. And everybody's doing it. It yeah. drives me nuts. Yeah, they're not the only. Loblaws is not the only chain. I, um, I find myself going now more and more, even though Borderline never even noticed them in the past. Going to those little racks that they've got set up throughout the store, reduced to clear, priced oh, to clear, yeah? stuff like that. Have you gotten lucky there? Because sometimes they see things and I think maybe, but then I don't think we could eat it as fast as it needs to be eaten. Oh, see, if tonight, for example, chicken thighs for dinner. Now, I haven't decided how I'm going to cook them or what I'm going to put on the side, but today would be a good day to go and just check out the reduced to clear section. And if I can find some, I don't know, bok choy that looks right. like it's not half dead and it's going for like a normal price, then yeah, I'll buy that, take it home and cook it that night. But yeah. it means I'm going to the grocery store like every freaking day That's lately. That's the thing. And I used to be like a, no, I would go once a week. Like, you know, no, I find myself going 
twice a week, maybe three times, depending. Uh, I do that more too. Just for, I also find the produce, like it's not as good as it used to be either. I don't know what's happening there, but I do feel like it's not as good. So I want it to be fresh. So I have to do that every three, every three days, basically. It's like, all right, let's find something else and make it fresh. I was talking to one of our colleagues here at uh, 91.5 The Beat, where we do our FM morning show. And I was talking to somebody here about grocery shopping. And he was talking to me about how much KD has gone up. And he said, do you remember when KD was always 99 cents a box? And sometimes when it was on sale, ah. you could get it for 69 cents a box. It's like 250 a box right now. Mm-hmm. How the fuck did that go up that much? Yeah, the organic stuff. Like if you get the Annie's, that used to be like the really expensive. And now it's like right on par. It's like close to on par with the <laughs> stuff that's supposed to be better for you, if you will. Well, he told me about something that I'd never heard of. He said he had gourmet... Mac and cheese this weekend. Okay. And, and I thought, what's your idea of gourmet mac and cheese? And I thought he just meant like the Velveeta stuff because that, that's great. <laughs> but no, his signature move here is he goes out and gets a box of KD. He lives alone. He buys a box of KD, mm-hmm. cooks it. Mm-hmm. Then he dumps in a can of beef ravioli. <laughs> he oh says- my God. And he's talking to me like he, like oh, I should no. listen to him, like he, I should take him seriously. Oh, no. Like he's giving me an actual recipe. He's like, yeah, so you pour in the can of beef ravioli. Then you put the lid back on and you just sort of let it simmer for a few minutes and let all the juices come together. And then you eat it hot. And man, it's great. I didn't know if I should walk away, if I should punch him in the face, if I should just say, you know what? Yeah. Don't you talk to me anymore, you son of a bitch, because that seems outrageous. You're disgusting. He called it a lasagna. No, it's not. <laughs> oh. Wait a minute. How did this combo even come to mind at I, first? Like, oh, when, what was the sto- how stoned was he the first time he did this? I don't know. But he swears it's amazing. There was another one of our colleagues that backed it up and said, oh, yeah, I used to eat that in university all the time. What? Apparently, this is a thing. It's a box of KD and a can of beef ravioli, like Chef Boyardee. You combine it together, and you've got what they called a university lasagna. That's it. Or a college casserole. Something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, pick it and, and go for it. Okay. Oh my God, hey, I don't it's outrageous. Hate, I just, I mean, not nutritious. You know, if we're going to be that person, that's not very nutritious. But I mean, it doesn't surprise me. It's shit's expensive right now. College tuition, university tuition is expensive. So I'm not surprised if this is happening. One other thing. If you were to make KD, and I, I assume you don't eat that very often, but no, at some point in your life, you probably did. Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with it, of course. How much does one box of KD feed? Okay, so... See, are we going side dish or is this the meal? The meal. Okay. Like if you just want, you're hungry, you want lunch, you Two. make a box of KD. Two. Two people can split one box? Yeah. Two very small people, like two children, like two women. Why? Do you think people can eat a whole box of that? Well, I said it and everyone around agreed a standard serving of KD is a box. That's a lot though. It's a, it's not that much, that's a standard serving. Look at the serving size recommendation on the... Oh, on fuck the, that. It on, says it feeds four. <laughs> it doesn't feed four. You craft, you I get just, the hell out of but here. But that's the thing. As a side dish, it could, right? You could, And they mean like, that would really equal like a, what, maybe a, a third of a cup or a quarter cup each if you're serving four as a side dish. But that is what it's meant for. It's not meant to be a meal. KD was never made as a meal. Just a lot of people, for money reasons, I don't know, laziness to make other things, will eat it. Some people eat it out of the pot. Just Spoon, pot, eat. Listen, you fucking animals. <laughs> eating <laughs> eating what? anything on your couch with a spoon right out of the pot is borderline 
savage. But again, when you're in your early 20s or something, like I know I've done that at friends' houses. And they're like, when I say houses, their houses, I mean like either at their parents' house or their dorm room or something. Yeah, that's how we used to do. There's no plates or bowls. Just like, here, you want a spoonful of this? That's like, ridiculous. Great. I'll take a spoonful and we'll go to the club. <laughs> <laughs> oh we'll spend God. our money on vodka. Uh, speaking of which, and we are going to get to the hairy stuff in a second from last night on 60 Minutes. But first, we had a really interesting study on the morning show today. It was, um, it was a spinoff because they were researching type 2 diabetes. And one of the things they found is that the order you eat your meal in has a huge impact on how your body processes it. And they were mainly looking at blood sugar. So what they said was, after a pretty extensive bout of research, when you sit down to eat, first thing you do, eat your vegetables. Veggies have to be consumed first. So even if you've got a beautiful, thick-cut premium steak with a big egg on top of it, no let it get cold till you've eaten the veg. Then you eat the protein, you eat the carbs or the starch last. They said when people used to just sort of willy-nilly take a bite here and take a bite there, which is pretty well how everybody eats, mm-hmm. you can see up to a 75% spike in your blood sugar by taking yeah. in the carbs early in the meal, whereas that doesn't happen when you eat them at the end mm-hmm. of the meal. So for what it's worth, it might make a difference. Maybe it'll save your life someday, everyone. Uh, okay, let's get to last night. You watched 60 Minutes? I did. Before I play any clips, thoughts, feelings, impressions? Um, I, w- I mean, my thought is I really do wish, and I think that we might now, after, after seeing this interview, there was another interview as well, but we're going to focus on 60 Minutes one because they're very similar. They're very similar, actually, what we got out of them. And it really is all about the memoir, Spare, which is out tomorrow. I hope the palace does something in terms of an official statement of sorts, because we did finally get details. And what were we asking? I mean, what was I asking for? I won't say we, but I mean, I was certainly asking for some receipts or some more clarity. Like you're saying that people were, that people in the royal family were leaking shit to the press. Who? Give us a name. You know, he did last night. Mm -hmm. It's Camilla. See, I just don't fucking buy that. How do you not buy? Okay, okay we're, we're going to play the clip okay. and then we'll get to that part. Yeah, because I, I could see it based on when you look back, because there was someone who online, I, I can't credit anybody right now because I don't know who it was, who went back and looked at the headlines, and these were newspaper headlines at the time, before Diana died and all of the stories that were put out there. And this same source says they know that it was Camilla as well and also that she used to leak stuff about Diana. So she's not surprised. Because that was like an affair situation. I think most people know that, but maybe some people who are newer to this whole situation. And he hates Camilla, basically. He, without saying the word devil, he pretty much called her the devil. He said she was dangerous. Dangerous. The queen consort. Mm -hmm. Dangerous. That's a wild one for me, but we're going to get there. First off, uh, you pointed out quite right when we heard the clip on Friday about the fight between Harry and William Mm -hmm. that that was just a clip from a teaser. We didn't see the whole thing. Now we did get the whole thing, and we do have a little more context. I was defending myself, and we moved from one room into the kitchen, and his frustrations were growing and growing and growing. He was shouting at me. I was shouting back at him, and he snapped, and he pushed me. First off, I'm glad to hear that they were both shouting, because the way the teaser in the 60 Minutes promo laid out— It was the other promo, just to be be fair. The other promo that we had played was ITT or whatever, ITV, whatever the hell it is, that we didn't get here. So it was a different interview. That's when he talked about her being called aggressive, etc. This this wasn't in this clip. Okay, but it's nice to know that they were both heated. It's not like William just walked up and sucker punched him out of the blue. No, they had a— 
I don't know if it was a started with a conversation, then ended up in an argument, and then ended up with that. To the floor. He knocked you over. He knocked me over. Um, I landed on the dog bowl. You cut your back. Yeah, I cut my back. I didn't know about it at the time. But um, yeah, he, he apologized afterwards. He asked you not to tell anybody, not to tell Megan. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't have done. I didn't until she, until she saw on, the, on my back. She goes, what's that? I was like, uh. Megan has said constant criticism and pressure led her in the winter of 2019 to contemplate suicide. The thing that's terrified me the most is history repeating itself. You really feared that your wife, Megan... Yes, I feared, I feared a lot that the end result, the fact that I lost my mum when I was 12 years old, could easily happen against my wife. Was he suggesting that she would kill herself or that she could somehow become the victim of relentless stalking by the paparazzi? That's what I couldn't figure out. He did say that a lot, that he was worried about uh, what would happen to Megan. And he never really gave us a real idea of mm-hmm. what the actual fear was. To be honest with you, as I watched it, and, and you can tell he's gone through a lot of therapy to try and fix himself clearly the death of his mom had a major impact. One of the things that I found fascinating was that he said he wasn't, it wasn't until he was 23 years old that he actually accepted his mom was gone. Mm-hmm. Until mm-hmm. then, he thought it was a conspiracy theory that she had just disappeared and would eventually come back someday. Wow, that's which wild. Would, which, by the way, what would make a young man think that? A lot of people back in the day believed that because it wasn't plausible that at that speed, going through that tunnel, that that much damage could have been done to kill two people in the car. And you think that or they three would people. Sh- they, you would think that they would shield him from even hearing those things. But I guess you can only shield someone so much well, before they start to hear those reports or those conspiracies. He did say that he and William had a discussion in their 20s. Should we reopen the inquest into what happened to mom? And in the end, they decided not to. He mm-hmm. said he would consider it in the future, but he's not even sure if it's possible at this point. But he did go and he had someone drive him through the tunnel at that speed, just trying to wrap his mind around how this actually happened. And I still think that's a wonderful idea. Let's reopen that investigation and see if we can figure out for sure what happened there because it was very suspicious. But back to the point. He came off to me paranoid and delusional last night. He seems like he's got this whole thing in his head about things that could or couldn't happen and it's just not connected to reality in 2023. See, I mean, you see paranoia and delusion, and I know you're not alone, but at the same time, when you when you know that they have power where they are, here, not as much. The states, it's laughable for them. They think it's funny. Uh, but they do have a certain amount of power. And if he believes in some of these conspiracies and he believes them to be true, then why would he not have fear? Um, if you can't prove otherwise. So I understand thinking someone's dangerous and not trusting like a Camilla, for example, maybe even to an extent his dad, he didn't say that, but maybe in his mind he's thinking, okay, because I don't trust you. Maybe I don't trust him. And William and Kate's a whole other, other animal. I'm waiting for the Kate stuff though. I mean, we had heard that there's more on Kate specifically, but we've heard nothing. No, it's interesting. It's almost like he's purposely omitting her for some reason. So either something did happen and he's just like, don't, don't want to talk about it, but he's not commenting on her. No. Do you notice that? And a I think lot it, on his brother, which makes sense. A lot on his dad, okay. Nothing on her. If he does want to ever have a relationship with William and Kate, I strongly recommend that he leave Kate out of this because it doesn't seem like he's going to win that one. In fact, it doesn't seem like he'll ever be welcome with open arms at the palace again, especially after he told some of the stories he told last night. In particular... 
the ones around the death of the queen. So two clips here. This is him whining that he didn't get invited to take the private jet to go see the queen. I asked my brother, I said, what are your plans? How are you and Kate getting up there? Um, and then a couple of hours later, you know, all of the fam family members that live within the Windsor and Ascot area were jumping on a plane together, a plane with 12, 14, maybe 16 seats. You were not invited on that plane. I was not invited. So they just mm -hmm. go, he ghosted him, right? He just didn't write back. It's not like he wrote back and, and they tried to no. make arrangements. Like he just flat out said, he just didn't, re he didn't reply. The thing that stings with that though for him, I'm sure, is that he, that happened, okay? So he, the, according, again, all of this is according to Harry. So we need to preface that by saying, I don't think he's necessarily whining uh, about it. I think his purpose is that if he would have arrived on time, he would have been able to say goodbye to his grandmother while she was breathing. Now, unfortunately for those who don't know how it happened, and this will bring us to the next clip here, um, he did end up on a flight, obviously not that flight. Um, nobody responded to him and he found out that they had landed. He was already on his way in a separate flight. By the time he had landed and made his way to the castle in Scotland, she had passed away. So had he made that flight, he would have probably seen her. That probably would affect you quite a bit. Here's what happened when he arrived. I walked into the hall and my aunt was there to greet me. And she asked me if I wanted to see her. I thought about it for about five seconds, thinking, is this a good idea? And I was like, you know what? You can, you can do this. You need to, you need to say goodbye. Um, so I went upstairs, took my jacket off, and walked in and just spent some time with her alone. Where was she? She was in her bedroom. I was, actually, I was really happy for her because she'd finished life. She'd completed life, and her husband was, was waiting for her, and the two of them were buried together. Yeah, I, I, as far as I understand it, anything surrounding the death of the monarch it's not his place to tell that story, where she was in, in the palace and all that sort of stuff. So I'm actually surprised he went into that much detail. One thing I will say is that William not getting back to Harry could be for a number of reasons. Number one, doesn't fucking like him. They've clearly had, no. a, lot, they've had a lot of issues. He also has made it quite clear he doesn't like his wife. That would be Megan. And mm -hmm. Megan was in London as well. And also, when you think back, I mean, I think everybody remembers that morning. We got word right before our show started, the queen is said to be in poor health. Instantly, my radar was up. Okay, we're on essentially queen death watch. And then we'd heard that the royal family was heading to Balmoral in mm -hmm. Scotland. The picture you see of it was Prince William and I think Prince Andrew and somebody else all arriving at Balmoral. William was driving. This whole thing was very, very frantic. It was a scramble to get to the castle. And for William to be driving a car through downtown, well, not downtown, but through the, the Scottish countryside, racing to get to Balmoral to be by the Queen's side, that tells you how rushed it was. There was no drivers. There was nothing. In fact, I think somebody loaned them a car so they could get from the airport to Balmoral. Well, so they, it was quite the rush. Yeah, we could. they could be drafting something just to explain that part too because I'm trying to think what stings the most. The other thing I will say about what he said about William because you can tell he at this point despises his brother. I don't know I don't know why he thinks there's hope and we'll, maybe we'll play that clip in a bit. I don't know why he thinks there's hope as to a possibility of him speaking again to, to William and to his father. But I don't know if you saw the one part. I didn't get a chance to grab it here, but I'll just give you the gist of it. It was an excerpt that Anderson Cooper was reading out loud to Harry, and he, Harry smirked during it. But it was about his brother and how he said he watched him through the years go from being, you know, looking like his mother, looking like Diana and sweet boy, changing drastically with age. 
basically kind of a dig at like him getting old and looking like shit, looking like dad. He's losing his hair yes. and blah, blah, blah. Like that's what it was. Without saying it, that's certainly what it was. And and Harry gave a smirk as Anderson was reading it. And I thought like this goes, that's nasty. this goes deeper than the way that you're, that you two communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. This is different. Now you're attacking him as, as a physical form. And I'm thinking that's a, that's a bit much. So William to hear all of these things that maybe did happen, maybe didn't uh, to, William's story might have been slightly different. William listening to that and then also hearing about his physical, that's where it got weird to me. And I know he's just being honest in his thoughts. That's what a memoir is. You're supposed to be honest. This is how I feel. This is what I went through. But for him to have a hope in hell that maybe there could be a relationship is funny to me. So let's play a bit about how he feels about a potential rekindling. I look forward to us being able to find peace. How I long has it been since you spoke? Um, a while. Do you speak to your dad? We aren't, we haven't spoken for quite a while. Um, no, not recently. Can you see a day when you would return as a full-time member of the royal family? No. Nobody can. No. <laughs> I can, I, no. I see no path to that ever, ever happening. Jeez Louise. I don't understand why he'll give up very private, intimate details like where the queen's dead body was at the at Balmoral, but he won't say how long it's been since he talked to William or to his dad. Presumably, they talked at the funeral for the queen. Of course, they did, but that was obviously surface. I mean, if you're in a, if you're in a fight with a with a family member, everything turns into surface. That's all it is, right? So you talk about those details. We had heard. Do you remember that moment? There's lots of pictures of it when after the queen's death, William, Kate. Harry and Meghan all came out together to greet support. I don't even know. Mourners, mourners and yeah. supporters as well. And everybody else. They all went in on it together. I really wish we had heard more about that, that moment, because we had heard that apparently Harry and Meghan were like begging them, like, let's do a unified frontier for the queen mom. I want to know if that's true or if it was William and Kate that invited them, or maybe it was dad that said, you guys get your fucking asses out there together and you do this. Just get it done. But again, it's going to be all surface stuff. I think from here forward, they're not going to talk. They're not going to have a relationship. I don't see it happening after this. There is not a chance that William and Kate, the future king and queen, are ever going to let Harry know a single personal detail mm -hmm. because clearly he's not afraid to talk to the media yeah. about anything and nothing is off limits. Um, I don't have a clip from it here, but one thing that stood out to me too, and it made me realize maybe he has been completely sheltered all his life from a normal sibling life, but he was trying to more of the pity party. Oh, in school, you know, my older brother, he, he wanted nothing to do with me. You know, he, he basically treated me like I don't exist and he told me to stay away from him. Yeah. That's what siblings do in yeah, high they school. They do. They do. Like, yeah, let's sure. be fucking real here. For I've sure. got a brother who's three years younger than me. And life was good until 11th grade when my little brother showed up as a niner. And I was like, hey, you don't even know me here. All right. We're not walking to school together. We're not walking home together. We're not going to sit together in the calf, find some friends and enjoy them. I'm going to be with my friends. We don't know each other at school. Yeah. At home, totally different. Yeah. But at school, we've got different social relationships that we maintain and different things that we do. So no, you don't want to hang around your younger sibling. Yeah, I looked at some, I was looking as well as I was kind of researching slash looking through tweets, uh, responding to the interview as it was happen happening last night. And somebody posted, it's very interesting, posted an interview that the two of them had done, that William and Harry had done. Many, like I want to say many years ago, but not that long ago. This is before Megan though. Mm -hmm. uh, the two of them had sat down for an interview together and 
I mean, they seemed like like kind of normal brothers. Like it was just kind of they were telling story about their dad and they were both kind of laughing about it. Acting normal, though, you know, so I, I, I think that part of them, too, should have had that normal. I th- I'm sure that William found it normal. Like, yeah, everybody else's younger brother doesn't get to fucking walk with them. You don't walk with me. You don't you know, that is very normal. They seemed like a normal brother relationship and watching back that footage. Mm-hmm. Now, that was just one interview that I was watching. So I thought, hmm, it's kind of interesting. I, I do wonder Obviously, William, I just, I don't see, I don't see it happening where they're going to have a relationship again. And that's too bad. You know, that's too bad. I think just before I play the Camilla clip, and that's going to end it for today, I think that um, there was probably a plan that was well rehearsed. The monarchy knows that they're the dinosaurs in the, the statesman category. So I was, I think that they were actually quite looking forward to when William would be king and Kate would be queen, but because of them being so close in age and things like that. Mm -hmm. The plan was always supposed to be William and Kate are going to be king and queen, but Harry is going to be his right hand. Where William goes, Harry will go. What William can't go to, Harry will go to, and vice versa. They were basically going to more or less split the job, even though it would be William's job. That's out the window. Harry will never do another royal engagement. Never. Um, And and especially the window a while ago. After he called the queen consort dangerous. Last clip. She was the villain. She was the third person in the marriage. She needed to rehabilitate her image. You and your brother both... By the way, the third person in the marriage is a direct quote from Princess Diana after her and Charles had split. Directly asked your dad not to marry Camilla. Yes. Why? We didn't think it was necessary. We thought that it was going to cause more harm than good. And that if he was now with his person, that surely that's enough. Says the guy who just got married. Why go that far when you don't necessarily need to? We wanted him to be happy and we saw how happy he was with her. So at the time it was okay. You wrote that she started a campaign in the British press to pave the way for a marriage and you wrote... I even wanted Camilla to be happy. Maybe she'd be less dangerous if she was happy. Mm-hmm. How was she dangerous? Because of the need for her to rehabilitate her image. That made her dangerous? That made her dangerous because of the connections that she was forging within the British press. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I'm not sure about there is how he figures Camilla is using the British press to rehabilitate her image. Because, you know, in the last, uh, oh, I don't know, couple of years since uh, King Charles and Camilla got married. There's been a slight, and I mean an ever so slight improvement in the treatment that she gets from the media, but for a long time, they shit on her at every mm-hmm. opportunity they got, and they still do to a large extent. It's more of a deflection, I think. It, that, that's what it is. Now, he, she's the one that's leaked shit to the press and put the headlines out. It's more of a deflection. It's not about less stories about her necessarily. It's about bad shit on other people. Megan's the worst. Megan did this. Megan's a that. That's what it was. So it was a deflection. So then there's less Camilla headlines, because these people in Britain, by the way, write about the royals. No matter what happens, sure. someone takes a shit and something's going to be written up, right? So it doesn't matter where they go, what they do. They could do nothing. It could be a quiet day. They'll find a story. That's how it works there. So for Camilla to leak some stuff about Megan takes any potential of, should we write this story about Camilla's weird dress she wore or something dumb? 
no, no, no. We got to go with this Megan thing that we heard. We're hearing a source telling us this. It was more of a deflection, I think, and these these leaked stories. Sometimes they're stories. Sometimes they're simple things, I'm sure. But that's what the accusation is. I mean, Megan knows exactly how to manipulate the media herself. She absolutely does. And everything that we've seen roll out over the last few months. In America. I'm not sure if that's the case in Britain because it's a different animal. It it is a different animal. But let's be honest. If Megan wanted to change the narrative, she absolutely knew. And it was probably very apparent to Megan not that long ago that this was starting to go sideways on her. In fact, I think right now, Harry and Megan are acutely aware of how sideways this has gone, whereas they thought this was going to be a big coronation of them basically as America's royalty. They're realizing people are asking a lot of questions and they're thinking, this doesn't seem right here, you know? Without hearing from the other side, what Harry and Megan are doing and how they're going about it just doesn't seem right. And I think that they're actually aghast at how they're being perceived by a lot of people about how all this is playing out. I think they have to do this, though, if they want to move forward with other things. If there's truth to, hey, we want to focus on R12, uh, and that means the charity, and that means the productions, and all the other things that we have, and all the deals we have, as long as they're successful, and so far they have been. People have been watching it. We have to do this. Don't you feel like they have to do, they didn't have to do this to this extent, but they have to address the elephant in the room in order to move on, so that there's no lingering questions, so that when they do a, Uh, a special gala for their foundation. There's not like lingering questions about what happened with you and the Royals. It's all out there. It's done now. Join our fucking foundation, go to our galas, look at our documentary. And for those who are still confused or or unsure, okay, they're going to be the ones gone. But I guarantee you this book's going to sell a ton of copies. And I think at this point, that's all they care about. He's already made 40 million and they haven't even started selling the book yet. And he got a hundred million from Netflix. So he's, Oh, it's insane. And that's only the tip of the iceberg. I mean, mm-hmm. they're going to continue on with that relationship, I have no doubt. And if they, if, then if for some reason that doesn't work, and it will because the viewership for the docuseries is so high, then they're going to hop to the next one. They're going to have success. So I think in their minds, as long as they can have success, be separated from that and stay in America, they're going to have to, or maybe up to Canada every now and again, they're okay. Let me ask you a quick question because I truly don't know the answer to it. How is it possible to live Oceanside in California for two years and not get an ounce of sun. <laughs> what the he fuck, Harry? Go he outside. Likes He's a redhead and he likes his sunscreen. <laughs> we got to go, everybody. Thanks for checking out this episode. We're back tomorrow with another brand new After 9. If you want to weigh in on this or anything else, just slide into the DMs. Bye, friends. Megan, the new horror movie about a killer robot doll hit theaters. <laughs> That's right, a horror movie called Meghan. Prince William was like, seen it. <laughs> Prince Harry has got this book coming out. He uh, recounted at William and Kate's wedding, Harry was suffering from a frostbitten penis. For real. <laughs> he got frostbite on an expedition to the North Pole. He wrote, upon arriving home, I'd been horrified to discover that my nether regions were frost-nipped while the ears and cheeks were already healing, the todger wasn't. It's very British to refer your penis as a todger, and very scary. You know, without a functioning todger, it's impossible to roger. You can't... I get this, apparently Party City is also about to file for bankruptcy. That's surprising. I mean, if there was one company you thought could handle inflation. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.